uh, so I'm going to continue uh, my, my message today, a little several messages, series of messages on the final examination. I thought I should be done when I finished uh, chapter 23, but the Holy Spirit just said, no, you're not done. The, the examination goes uh, through chapter 23. It goes to chapter 20, chapters 24 and 25. It goes to the, uh, the resurrection of the Son of God. So the examination continues, and we want to talk about that today, Jesus in the temple. Uh, before I actually get to that, I want, to, I want you to look at um, um, chapter 23, verse 41. I believe that's 41, or is it 22, 22, 41? Yes, it says, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how then does David in the spirit call him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, or Adonai, he uses the word Adonai, which is a word just for God himself. It says, then the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day on did anyone dare question him anymore. From that day on, from that day on, nobody questioned Jesus. What Jesus had done, he had gone into Jerusalem on the, uh, the uh, 10th of Abib. And he had gone to be examined. It was necessary that Jesus, the Lamb of God, be a spotless lamb. And the experts in the law, the Pharisees who, who were there uh, uh, interpreting the law, uh, those who said what the law meant and what it, it, it did not mean, they examined him and actually refused to admit they had no fault. They found no fault. There was nothing in him. The Bible says when he asked them, he said, you've been quizzing me. Isn't it amazing? Now, here is the God of the universe. The God of the temple is now in human flesh, sitting in the temple, being examined by people he put in charge. And, and so he is examining, and they cannot, they cannot out-professor the professor, as it were. And, and, and when they finished, he said, well, let me ask you, teachers and doctors of the law, a question. The Christ, whose son is he? And obviously they were saying, oh, it's David, because it's, uh, as, it, as it were, a no-brainer. He says, well, why then did David in the spirit, by the spirit, being in the spirit of God, why did he call him Lord? You don't call your son Lord. So he says that the Messiah was more than just a, a, a gifted human being. The Messiah is God all, all by himself. Now, when we look at, I wanted to bring that in because I thought it was pertinent that I did not maybe emphasize the fact that Jesus had silenced uh, his examiners. He had, had silenced them. And uh, they did not uh, decide to ask him any more questions, or they rather decided we're not going to question him anymore because they could not trap him no matter how clever they were. And in Matthew 23, beginning in verse 29, um, I wanted to recap a little bit on those woes that Jesus gave. Now, why is this pertinent? Why is this all this pertinent? Us going over Jesus' uh, 
final four days in Jerusalem before his passion. Why is that important? It's important because it strengthens our faith. It strengthens our resolve. We know that our, our Lord, our God, Jesus Christ, was without blemish in, in any way. We know that the smartest of the smart people could not trap him, could not exact from him something that was not in him. And they hypocritically refused to acknowledge him as the Messiah. And Jesus, now also, he started in Matthew 23, verse 29. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And, and this, is, this was so important to me that I should recap it. He says to them, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. And so what Jesus is showing here is that they were culpable of of murder. They were culpable of all the deeds of their forefathers, those who had persecuted the prophets. The common people weren't persecuting the prophets. It was always the leaders. And even today, God is saying something to us who are just following leaders, you know, secular or otherwise. We just follow them. You know, if they have a Facebook account, we'll just follow them. <laughs> and so uh, here, here, uh, Jesus is saying, is uh, reciting their words back to them. If we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers uh, with them in the blood of the prophets. They said these things while at the same time they were planning to kill him. And so Jesus knew their hypocrisy. He says in verse 31, therefore you are witnesses against yourself that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. They were witnesses against themselves. Can you imagine being hauled into court and, and the, the prosecutor's chief witness is you? So Jesus is, Jesus is speaking to them. And I, I, it has great relevance because of the time in which we live. We live in a time when I am seeing, I want to differentiate between churchgoers and, and Christians. There are a lot of churchgoers. Now, I, I believe that, that you here are Christians, but there are churchgoers, and churchgoers are different than real Christians. Churchgoers just go to any, in any direction. Um, but Christians believe the word of God. Churchgoers cause trouble. Churchgoers don't uh, recognize the truth when it's staring them in the face. Churchgoers do not understand the significance of justice and righteousness. They just don't get it. They don't get it. And they oftentimes uh, will confuse the truth um, with their lies. Here Jesus says to them, your present deeds connect you with your fathers of the past. And what Jesus is saying to them is that you will not escape. One way that we know who people are today, I mean, people who profess Jesus, some of them. We know them because they are perfectly aligned with the deeds of their forefathers. We have to be careful. And there are some of us who are, who are clearly recognizing that and, and others who don't. I've talked with people who were clearly wrong about various issues, but they would swear that they were right and that you were the wrong person. It's, it's amazing. Uh, the, the deception that is in the world today. And you and I are encountering it every day. But are you acutely aware that this is deception? That this is not the word of God? This is not the truth of God. And you and I should never, no matter how we might uh, stand to gain monetarily or socially from it, we should never embrace what God does not embrace. 
Jesus said to them, your present deeds connect you with your fathers of the past. Therefore, you are deserving of judgment and are participating in and continuing in what they started. If you and I are not careful, all of us, we will continue in the deeds of our forefathers. Some of us had some really bad forefathers. Yeah, really bad folks. And you don't need to justify them. You don't, don't justify them, no. Say, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Yeah. You want to you trace your roots? You can tra if you trace your roots far enough, they are all rotten. So, so everybody's roots are rotten. Just trace them. Keep tracing them. You want to exalt in your foreparents who were ungodly, perhaps drinking blood out of the skulls of their enemies, living in caves? No, no. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The, 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 the lure of the world, the allure of the world is, is there for all of us. You, you know the devil is not trying to allure people he has. It's those of us he, he, that he does not have. And what he is doing is trying to capture you with all kinds of shiny things. Make, making promises that he cannot keep, nor does he have an intention to keep. Jesus said to them, serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Therefore, indeed, now listen to what Jesus is saying. He said, they said, we wouldn't have killed everybody like our forefathers did. No, we wouldn't have. Father, they were planning to kill him. Now notice what Jesus does. He uncovers them. He says, therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill. Prophetic. And crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. Why is Jesus saying that? That on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. This is why I am teaching this, because I believe that we are living in the final hours I, I believe that. Everything within me says we are living in that final hour. And I am saying that it is as it was, it is now. And that is all of the unrighteousness that, that our nation and other nations of the world have ever committed will be required at this generation because we are, we are as it were, working overtime to conjure up righteousness, I mean, unrighteousness, unrighteousness. And so then after Jesus says these things, he, he laments over Jerusalem. He weeps over Jerusalem as many of us will weep over uh, our nations and weep over the condition of the world. We weep over them. We're not trying to, I am not trying to, as it were, restore America to some kind of past greatness because that's really not what God is after. Do I want America to disintegrate? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But I, that is not our mission. Our mission is the church. It's, it's lost people. That's our mission. We want the church to be everything that God uh, said it is and everything that Jesus died to make it because the church is purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's, that is our mission and our, our goal. It is not to restore some idea that we have even of our nation. As I've said to you that, that America is... is uh, the greatest that the world system has ever produced, and it's in shambles. That tells you what the world is able to do. The world is not able to produce that which Jesus produces. 
And so in this final examination, Jesus was found without fault. The Bible says that as he is, so are we in this world. And I believe that, that Jesus also wants us to be without fault because God is doing something much better than what we have seen in the world. He, is do, he has something much greater for you. Do not be lured away from the Lord by going after shiny objects or by what people have, have convinced you is God's intent. It's not God's intent. So Jesus cries over this great city that was known as the city of God, as the city of the great king. This, this great city where at one time in human history dwelt righteousness. God had a place on the earth that, that he had his throne in, the, in, a, in a temple, a house there. And he had a place where his temple was or his throne was. But now Jesus looks at it and he laments and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. Now listen, listen at what he is saying to, to, to Jerusalem, who was the joy, that was the joy of the whole earth. That was the place where all righteousness came forth through, uh, from there throughout the earth. And he says, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. So Jerusalem had devolved, or now Israel had devolved into something that God did not intend. I offer to you that right now, much of what we call the church or Christianity has devolved into something that God does, is not pleased with, he's not happy with. So don't go after that. Don't go after that. And certainly I want you, don't stone those who are bringing you the truth. Don't, throw, don't hurl insults, insults. I've always tried to be, and I'm not here to try to justify myself, but I've always tried to give you the truth, the unadulterated truth of the gospel, and always have tried that. But some people uh, say things that are just blatantly untrue. You know, the, the more you preach the gospel, oh, he's meddling. He, he's now in politics. And when you go back 20 years ago, you hear some of the same things I'm saying. Now, they weren't political then, but they have now become political. Why? Not because I've changed, not because my message has changed, but because those who say those things have changed. Jesus says to Jerusalem, and when he says it to Jerusalem, he is, says, he is saying it to all of Israel. He says, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. How often I wanted to gather you. I wanted to crouch and gather you as it were. But you were not willing. You were not willing to come. You were not willing to come. How many of us could say, I am willing to come. I am willing to come. He says, see, as a result of their unwillingness, he says, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I had to bring that back to you again. And then from that juncture, from that juncture, you find Jesus leaving the temple. He is uh, leaving, uh, preparing to leave the temple in Matthew chapter 24, which is a much taught uh, chapter in the Bible. And I'm not saying that I understand it more than others. I, I am saying that I have some questions about some of the interpretations that we have received from Matthew 24. Verse 1 says, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And is the, now, is it, now one thing as I go further, it, was so, it so amazes me that God, came down and was in the house called by his name, teaching, praying, uh, uh, healing people rather, blessing people, and those who were in charge of 
his sayings, his utterances, his law did recognize it. We're talking about leaders. The common folk gladly received him. I'm talking about leaders. You have to know your leaders. You know, and I, I find that, that canker trying to come into the church and take your minds. I've told you the battle, the, the, soul, the, the mind is not the devil's battlefield. The devil is trying to take your mind. It's the prize. He wants to express himself through your thinking and through your words and through your internet posts and your sharing. Well, I said it. Let me keep going. Let me keep going. Yeah, so Jesus uh, went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And they were impressed with him because they were, it was an impressive place. And Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Don't you love his candor? He said, assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. That really messed with the, their minds. Because they were thinking, wait a minute, you're the Messiah. We've come to know and believe that you're the Messiah. And you're telling me that this temple that is here for you is going to be thrown down, knocked down. And there won't be one stone upon another. Come on, Jesus. You know. And so it says in verse 3, it says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming? And of the end of the age, they asked him two questions. And so Jesus is now approached by, by not just the big three, the, uh, you know, Peter, James, and John. Oh, Andrew wants to know also. And so Andrew uh, uh, approaches him and he says, tell us when these things will be. How, wh how are you comporting yourself? What are you saying to Jesus when you see all the crazy stuff that's going on? You know, in, in our country, in the world. Do you blame it on the Democrats or do you blame it on the Republicans or you blame it on just something, some uh, mysterious force? It's all Satan. <laughs> Satan is, is, the, is the author of it. There's only one source of evil. It doesn't matter whether it's, it has an R or D. There's only one source of evil. I mean, I mean uh, can you see how easily we are duped. Now, they want to know these questions. I'm almost done. I'm almost D-O-N-E. <laughs> Verse 4. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. What? First thing out of his mouth. Take heed that no one's de one deceives you. You know, sometimes when, when you're just wrapped up in your own thinking, uh, that's not good. You know, when you, when you have just what you think about things and, and your own opinions, that's not Always good. You know, uh, dialogue with people who may, may differ with you, even on the scriptures. Read people who, who disagree with you. I remember when I, when I, when I first, I, I don't want to overuse his name, but when I first met Brother Stan, he, I mean, he was reading everything. I thought, boy, why are you reading this stuff? I was thinking that. You know, I mean, that guy is obviously, well, he read it all and allowed the Holy Spirit to tell him what to believe and what not to believe. So I'm saying, not, not maybe in a scholarly sense, in an academic sense, but I think you ought to talk to brothers and sisters who might have a different view. And you can find out, wait a minute, I learned something from that dialogue because I discovered something that I didn't know. Because if I just have my own thoughts, I can rot in those thoughts. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of strong language, but I think it's true. He says, take, take heed that no one deceives you, for... For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Can you get that? 
Jesus is saying that many people are going to be deceived. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So Jesus is not talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, but he's talking about the end, or Matthew, rather, uh, records what he's talking about, the end. And he gives us some things about the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Wow. It's like COVID is just the beginning of sorrows. It's like saying that, you know? You know, and uh, to take the vaccine or not, right? He says, he says, these are the beginning of sorrows. And then he says, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. Not wrath, but tribulation. Difficult times, harsh times. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Are you ready for that? Are, you know, are you really ready for that? Are you ready to be hated by all nations, all people groups? You know, Paul was in danger from his own people and then from all the Gentiles too. He was in danger when he was in the city and when he was in the country. He, he was in danger on land and on the sea. It was the devil trying to get him. And he says, if you have this testimony, the enemy is after you. And that's why this is relevant. And then many will be offended. They will betray one another. I mean, people who go to church with you. Betray one another and hate one another. And then false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold because of lawlessness. Lawlessness. We're already in a place where it's lawless. It was just lawless everywhere in the world you go. There used to be a time when I would travel the world. I'd go to countries that were lawless. And now I come home and we're lawless. I remember what Brother Roney said. He said, you Americans are really, really taking it so easy. He said, but this stuff is going to come to a theater near you. I remember that was prophetic. That was before all the real craziness happened. Are you still with me? Okay, one more, one more verse. Can I just, I'll just give it to those, those of you, and the rest of them I'm not going to give it. But they're going to have to hear it anyway. All right. This one verse. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And what Scripture is saying is that you just keep on believing God and and. If you're living during this period of time, which I think some of us here are, all of us are, but some of us may, may see the, the crescendo of it. He says, just keep on doing whatever Jesus told you to do. Don't ever quit. Don't join some party of these people because they said this. They have this secret information. Whenever people want to deceive you, they always have some secret information. God gave you the information. 